Welcome to the Planet Talk podcast. We are your hosts, Gerald Trinidad and Vienna Ortiz. This podcast is your favorite place to talk all things planners and planner-related conversation. By listening to Planner Talk, you'll get practical and actionable strategies for planning while paired with conversations about hot topics in the planner community, interviews with shop owners and influencers, and tips on business and following your passion. This podcast will always give you the dose of good conversation, practicality, realness, and motivation you need to be your best self. Welcome back to Planner Talk Podcast. Today's episode, we have a really exciting guest like we do almost every other week, right? Um, we have Jen Plans on Instagram. She has over 78.7 thousand followers on Instagram and there's a huge reason for that. If you don't follow her yet, you must because she is amazing. She's been in this community for a while and she talks a lot about finances, uh, pens that she likes, um, and just a whole bunch of planner stuff that we all love, right? So without further ado, Jen, thank you so much for being here. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. Okay. So I have a little fun icebreaker question for you. Okay. If uh -oh. you had to grab three planner-related things in a house fire, what would you grab and why? <laughs> okay. Does the planner itself count? I think so. Okay, so definitely the planner, obviously. Uh, a, a blue G2, a blue Pilot G207, because like if I'm stuck with one forever, that's it's gotta be the one. Oh, this is hard. And I think I would take sticky notes. I think I would take sticky Particular notes. Particular ones? Like, do you have favorites? I love, um, so, Post-it makes, they're square, but they're smaller than the regular size. I think they're two by two instead of three by three. Sometimes I feel like the three by three is just is a little, is a little too much space. So I get the two by two. I can still fit everything in it. It's not quite as small as the real little rectangle ones. I love that you guys appreciate this stuff. I hope you know which ones I'm talking about. I was like, I totally know what you're talking about. <laughs> Like the Goldilocks of post-it notes. I would take that. I use them a lot. They don't end up like in my final planner spreads, but I use them a lot and, and move them around. That's oh, what I would awesome. grab. Love that. <laughs> yeah, the planner counts. So you have other things in the planner that you get to take with you. <laughs> yes, everything that's, I know. And I'm thinking like, what do I need to put in there just in case? Yeah. <laughs> but every, yeah, everything's. <laughs> oh my gosh, love that. Um, how did you find the planner community? Like how, like, I'm sure it's like way back when, but I'm really curious as to when you started and yes. how you found okay. it. Sorry. Yeah. So I've always, always, always used a planner. Usually it's been like the assignment notebooks that you get from school. And then when you leave school, you realize like, I need to get my own. So then I, you know, kind of find some here and there. Um, and a friend of mine, a mom friend that I met in a mom's group when I had my first baby, so this was almost 11 years ago, found um, the life planner on, I think it was Zulily or One King's Lane. It was like some half off deal. And I had never heard of the, you know, I guess the fancy planners, you know, you see the ones that are in the store. And of course, now a lot of the big planner companies are in like regular big box stores, but I got the planner and we had our first, like, I guess now what would be considered a, a planning party, 
it was like, oh, everybody got their planner in the mail. Let's get to it. And it took like a long time, you know, to get in because this is a, this is a long time ago when things took a really long time. And we put in like our play dates. You know, there wasn't a lot going on. We were just, we were new moms. We were really excited just to have something to do. And um, my sister-in-law, I had been talking to, you know, because of course we talk about planning with other people. I was talking to my sister-in-law about planning and she found um, a group that no longer exists. It was the, um, it was called ECFC. It was the Erin Condren Fan Club. Um, and it was right after we got our planner. So this is probably, probably about 10 years ago. And so I joined that one. And then uh, We Love EC kind of sprung out of that one um, when the first group imploded. I don't know. Were you all around when that all happened? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know. You remember. <laughs> yep. I was in those yeah. groups. So we, you were. Yeah. So you, yeah. It was, yeah. So that was, that, was kind of, that was kind of the start of it. And then it became... I don't know, for people who are, I'm, I'm such a visual person, which is probably why I like a favorite planner anyway, which is how all, all of us probably are. But then seeing how other people used what they had was so, like my mind was blown for like probably a good month. I just scrolled pictures. I still have on my phone a Shutterfly album of screenshots. This is before you could even save pictures from like the Facebook app on your phone, which is why I started Instagram because I had a couple people that said, you know, can you put your pictures in an album? Facebook wouldn't even let you do that from the mobile app at that time. Um, so I was like, oh, I guess I'll put it on Instagram. And I just love seeing how other people use things. So that was, that was kind of the beginning. It was a decade ago. I can't believe it's been. Wow. It's been a really long time. <laughs> Yeah. hard to even imagine um but that's really interesting you guys had like the planner party before planner parties existed yeah. we didn't even know we didn't know what to call it it was just bring your planner and I'll bring some of my stuff and it was so much fun that was one of one of the um so there were three of us I don't know if y'all know Renee she had a shop for a while called our love she made um snap-in bookmarks this was oh, like okay. such a long time yeah ago. we had like the original planner party before we knew about the planner community. So it's amazing. Oh my gosh, that's neat. Oh, well, we're so glad you joined and you're here. <laughs> Same. I love that you guys know about what that's about. Um, so um, we want to talk a little bit about finances because we mentioned before yes. we started recording that I am no good at finances. <laughs> Jared needs a little bit of help too. Um, so we're excited. And we wanted to know, like, how do you keep your finances in order? Do you have a separate planner for it? How do you use your planner to like work your budget? Yes. Okay. So I think, so there are a couple answers. One is no matter what you're using, getting a plan together, like outside of the planner, the planner is great for like tracking. The planner is great for um, uh, planning ahead for expenses that you know are coming up. Um, but I think but the first thing I did and, and what I, and which I'm sure we'll get to in a little bit, um, you're talking about how to use it like in action, um, getting the plan beforehand. Like, I feel like a lot of the budget planners that are out there right now, if you've never done it before, you can, you can kind of track things, but if you don't have an overall strategy, I don't know. I feel like I see a lot of people hit road bumps because they still don't feel like like I'm really good at tracking, but I don't, I still don't know if I feel like I have a great grasp on actual finances and my budget and my long-term planning. So, um, I, I have, I use, I'm in rings right now. And so I use, um, just notes pages. 
because I've switched to digital envelopes. I guess it's called digital envelopes. Um, the app is you need a budget, which I've been using for about the last year. I used cash for a long time. Um, and I kept track of everything in a separate budget planner, but when people stopped accepting cash and I didn't really want to like change cash in hands, um, I switched to entirely using my debit card. And so I started using an app in conjunction with planning, like the strategic stuff on paper and like setting goals, um, and keeping track of like, kind of those, like the quarterly things that come up that are, are hard to keep track of in an app. So right now it's, it's kind of a hybrid system, but I love, um, I love that all of it can be adapted. Like our financial situation and the way we handle money changes over time. I feel like if you get too dialed into one system and, and fixated on a system, it kind of trips you up when things change. And I use the same system. I was in a separate planner for a really long time because everything was the same for a long time. Um, so I, I switched to, to the app. Yeah. So I have, I, I do keep it separate from the rest of like my schedule and my task list. I don't like keeping those together. I feel like it runs together too much. So my planner is really divided into um, like schedule and to-dos live together because those in my mind, I don't know, maybe it's different for everybody else. In my mind, schedule and to-dos go together. And then I keep notes separate for like my lists for stuff I volunteer for. I keep that separate in notes. Work stuff I keep totally separate. I don't put that in my regular planner. And then budgeting stays separate on notes pages as well. Wow. Just wow. Like just that. I'm like, oh, maybe I could see this is the planner. I'm like, maybe I should. I literally was taking notes. Like, okay. And I think <laughs> notes too. Like, um, we need to get together and get ourselves <laughs> together and do this um but I love it thank you for sharing on that I love that you're going yeah. semi um digital like that's in, like that's something I, I'm not gonna lie it terrifies me a little bit because I'm yeah. like what if I lose my phone what if it doesn't transfer from my iPad to my phone will it be on my computer will it not be on my computer Wait, like it's so <laughs> yeah. it's this like inside battle <laughs> I am the same way. I feel like it's so much harder to lose things on paper. And everybody has had a digital system crash. Everybody's lost an email. Everybody's lost a paper they've been working on. Everybody's lost. And I, and I always worry if I, if I miscategorize something or I do something wrong, how do I find it? Is it going to be lost forever? And so I'm, that's why I'm still hybrid. I don't think I'll ever give up paper entirely. But I will say switching to digital in terms of tracking, like just for tracking expenses, that's really all I use it for, um, has really helped me not wait to track things until I have the time because it just kind of pops up every day. And so it's, oh, I need to categorize this. Or sometimes you forget that you spent, you know, something somewhere. <laughs> so it's nice because right. that reminder is right there. Now, for somebody just starting out, do you recommend someone to have a separate planner for finances or should it just have like if they're using rings maybe a separate section for just finances like how how would you go about it that's a great question so I feel like the first okay the first thing I want to say if you've never budgeted before don't feel like you need to get a specific planner or a specific insert I started with a spiral notebook just like a colleague ruled spiral notebooks. Sometimes it helps to just get everything out first. And if you're techie, you know, a spreadsheet is great too. Um, but there's a lot of erasing 
there's a lot of erasing when you first start, like a lot of erasing and deleting. And like I always tell my kids, my kids were little, they're, they're seven, nine and 10. Now when they were little, they would like make a mistake and they would cry. And cause I think that's normal. When you're a kid. You don't want to make a mistake. And I would hold up the pencil and I would point to the eraser and I would say, do you know what this is? And they would say, it's an eraser. And I would say, do you, do you think they put them on every single pencil? And they said, yes. I said, why do you think they put them on every pencil? Because you might need to erase. And it's kind of the same thing. You know, it's kind of the same thing. So when you're, when you're first starting, you know, pretend like you have a pencil, whether you're using a spreadsheet or you're in a planner or, you know, I know the the question is about the planner because we all love planners, but I, I find that with any kind of planning, even when I get overwhelmed with a regular planner, I always go back to just regular paper. So if you're, if you're starting, like if we're talking to just people, you know, if you're out there and you're just starting, don't feel like you need to get tripped up and figuring out the perfect planner to use or the perfect insert to use, because it's going to be a roadblock to actually just getting thing every, everything out on paper. Um, I do personally prefer keeping things separate, um, even if it's by insert. So even if it's, even if you're in rings, keeping it on a separate page, um, in my experience can be really helpful because otherwise it tends to get lost. And it's a really, really important thing you don't to have get lost because I'm sure we've all been through the experience where you lose track of something when it comes to finances and that's not funny there. So um, I, I prefer keeping things separate, but I also feel like people need to do what works best for them. I know a lot of people keep it all together and they are just fine keeping it all together because they don't want to look in a lot of different places. So I feel like that's not a really helpful answer, but it's really, really important to like be in tune with yourself and to know what you prefer and how your brain works. But I would say if you're starting, just start with like a notebook or an Excel spreadsheet and oh, yeah. remember erasers. Yes. I love that. I love doing <laughs> <laughs> um, And that makes so much sense because it can be intimidating sometimes when you're like, oh, if I just get this insert, then I can just follow it and that'll be what works for me. But in reality, maybe you just want to follow like a plan versus like the insert, which makes, that makes so much sense. Exactly. Um, so walk us through your budgeting process. Like, do you have a certain process each month that you now just do every single month or does it change? How does that look? Um, the answer is both. So yes. And I, I would even back up a little bit to say, I don't really talk about this, I, I, but money is hard because there's so much that I love sharing and there's so much that, you know, obviously, you know, we'll want to keep some of our information private. And so it's hard finding that balance. But um, what my husband and I do every year around the first of the year is sit down and kind of plan out our year. And we have, you know, it's nothing super formal, but we have a couple different categories, you know, like things for our family travel that we have coming up or that we really want to do um, with our kids where we talk about, oh, you know, okay, we have this family wedding, we also want to do this, um, and so on. And so finances are a part of that conversation as well. And so we talk about the year, like in review, we look back, um, part of, I think something that's really important in planning is tracking your progress. And so we do ours usually on an annual basis. You know, we look at, this was especially motivating when we were paying down um, student loan debt, looking, because, you know, every month it can feel kind of tedious when you're just doing the same thing over and over, but then you look at the accumulation of all the work you put in over 12 months 
and you, you really see how much you accomplished and that's motivating. So in the beginning of each year, we look at the previous year and then we kind of look ahead. And so that really sets the tone for each month. And then each month kind of feeds into that overall goal for the year. So the answer is yes, but it's not the only thing we do. So I think that's really important. If you just sit down every month and try and put stuff together, you, you might be missing a little bit of like that big picture, you know, overall strategy. So yes. So every month um, I review the past month. That's the first thing I do. And usually there's something that went unexpected. So we have to make adjustments, um, an unexpected expense, or um, maybe we didn't have an expense that we thought we were going to have. And now we have a little extra. What do we do with that? Um, did something not work? Uh, you know, was there something that we lost track of, or we didn't know how to prepare for properly. So really looking back over the past month, that's the first thing that I do. And then I look ahead to um, the following month and I start with income and we look at, okay, what do we expect to bring in this month? And, you know, my husband's self-employed, I'm self-employed. We have irregular income, which when I talk to people um, is always a huge question because so much of the budgeting stuff out there is for fixed income where you know exactly what you're going to get every month. And the people who really, really struggle the most in my experience, including myself, is like, okay, well, what do I do if my income's not the same every month? And how do I plan for that? And how do I plan for, you know, all the expenses that also might not be regular? And what if it doesn't line up with my income? Or what if I don't get what I was expecting to get? So um, I, we look ahead to what we expect for that month. And we make kind of a, a, a bare bones budget. We think we're going to get at least this much. So that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna budget for. And the items are typically the same every month. Um, and part of that is um, we have a we have a really solid sinking funds list. It took a, it took a while to get there. Um, and of course, it changes over time, and our expenses change over time. So, for example, you know, for a while we were paying for preschool. We're not paying for that anymore because our kids are in school. So, looking at you know what expenses do we have this month? Once we figure out kind of our base income we look at our expenses. What expenses do we expect to have this month? And 99% of the time we, we hit the mark. Um, but every once in a while things pop up or things are different, you know, in terms of amounts than what we expected. So um, yeah, looking back and then looking at what the income we think will, will be, and then uh, figuring out kind of planning our expenses ahead. But really the most important thing is we decide ahead of time where our money's going. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I don't, it feels very out of control to just to me to spend without, and of course, before I did all of this, that part didn't feel out of control. I felt very in control of everything I was spending on all the time. And I wasn't even really a big spender, but it was like, go out to eat here and get a little extra at the store here. And I really like this t-shirt and I really want this. And it just, it, you feel like, oh, I'm just spending money. But then at the end of the month, you're like, where did, where's all my money? And, and that's frustrating. So, so a big part of this is deciding where that money is going to go ahead of time. And that way you're not surprised at the end of the month. You, it might not go as planned, but you're not totally surprised. Yeah. Oh, love all that. I wrote down like two questions that I had yeah. talking. That was all great. Um, so someone who's starting, let's say like in the middle of the year, they hear this podcast and they're like, okay, I want to start this now because they're, and then they're thinking, well, I didn't start at the beginning of the year. I didn't do this whole thing. So what would you say to them? Cause I feel like 
they're going to be out there wondering. That's a, that's a great question. There's never a wrong time to start. And when we started, we did not wait for January 1st. You know, it's just like anything else. You don't ever have to wait for Monday. You don't have to wait for the first of the month. You don't have to wait for the first of the year. You can start with something small and you can start anytime. You can start anytime as long as you really want to and have the time to set aside to really dive into it and you're in the right headspace. Start anytime. Just start with something. Okay. Because yeah. if you wait, you'll wish you would have started sooner. Right. Exactly. Kind of like with anything else. Yeah. That makes sense. And the other thing was you kind of answered this a little bit, but when sticking to a budget, how flexible are you? Um, Cause I know some people might say, Hey, I have this budget and I'm sticking to it. And then they fall off the wagon or they spend something they weren't supposed to. And then they're like, Oh, forget this budget. I can't do it. Cause it's too stressful. <laughs> So how flexible are you or do you allow room for flexibility anywhere in your budget? This is such a great question. This is such a great question. And I love this question. Um, I think there are two answers. The first answer is you have to have an accurate budget to begin with. And I think that's where a lot of people um, really struggle. They create a budget that's not realistic. And so if you create a budget that's not realistic, chances are, something's going to really go wrong and you're going to get frustrated. And so you can correct and correct and correct and correct and correct, but it's not going to stop feeling frustrated, frustrating because you're, you're not actually addressing the issue of how realistic is the budget. And so um, that's, that's kind of the first half to this. And so in my experience, and this is like way oversimplifying, um, but when you're starting in order to get an accurate budget, you really need to look back. You need to look back, ideally, like at your last 12 months. Like, where did all your money actually go? Because when I sit down with people who are doing this for the first time, they, they write down their income, and then they write down a list of bills. And they say, I have all this money, and my bills are way down here, but I feel like I don't have any money left at the end of the month. That's like almost everybody that I talk to when starting. And they say, well, this is my budget. And I always say, well, this is, oh, this is a list of your bills. And this is a great start, but this is not your budget. A list of bills is not a budget. It's a part of your budget, but it's not the whole budget. And so if you only budget using a list of your bills, you're going to feel discouraged every single time. And, and, and being flexible in your budget is great. So part two, which I'll answer, which yes, of course. Um, but, but I think I, it's, it's hard to answer that question without addressing the first part, which is making sure that you really have a great solid budget to begin with. That's realistic. That actually fits your life. Another reason why I really struggle sometimes with, um, and, and they're beautiful, all of these inserts and all of these plans, they're really, really great. And they're helpful and they're a great starting point, but they need to be customized because not everybody has the same expenses. So I think going into it, if you know exactly what you're actually spending, not just what your list of bills looks like, you know, how much do you spend on, you know, do you get haircuts? How much do you spend on that? Do you buy gifts for people? How much do you spend on that? Do you like to go out with your friends once a month, twice a month? How much do you spend on that? And setting amount, setting aside those amounts, um, you know, for those experiences is a, is a huge part of success with your budget. So part one, which is the question you didn't really answer, you didn't really ask, is, um, is, is making sure that you have that realistic budget for you and for your life. And then part two, flexibility. Yes, you could still do everything the right way and something's going to come up because that's just life. Things come up and things don't go as planned. Um, and so I think um, I, I, what, I, what I do a lot is compare budgeting to a road trip. It's a lot like a road trip. 
you go on the road trip, you get your plan together, you look at the map and you see, okay, I'm, I'm starting here and I'm, that's where I want to go. Oh, and then you make the wrong turn. It's, it's probably going to happen or you pull off at the wrong exit or there's construction and now you're on a detour. You know, all of those things pop up and are very normal. And when I'm sitting down with somebody and I, you know, use this analogy, I always see the face light up when I say, you know, you don't pull off the side of the road and say, I guess I'm just not going on this trip. I'm giving up on the whole trip. Yeah, it's not. It's kind of what it's like. Yeah, you're not, you don't even, you don't think about it. You pull out your map or you pull out your thing or you reroute or you pull up ways or you, you know, you find a way to get where you need to go or, oh, you know, we went the first, you know, 300, 400 miles and now we need to get gas. And so you pull off and you get gas and then someone's hungry. So it's going to take a little bit longer. It's just like your finance experience. Sometimes it's going to take a little bit longer. Sometimes someone needs a little something extra. Sometimes you need to stop for a little bit because something comes up. Um, it's, it's just like that. And I think the difference between the two scenarios is that people beat themselves up a lot when it comes to money, like a lot. Um, and people don't really do that with road trips. So, you know, I, I know that it's, it's kind of like a funny comparison, but I always tell people, try, try to think of it more like a road trip. You wouldn't be like, I'm, I just am not good. I'm not a good driver. I'm not, I, this is going to work for me. I guess I can't go. You know, you can go. <laughs> it's just like with finances. You can go. Of course you can get there. It's a little setback. You need to be prepared that it's probably going to happen. You're probably going to run into some kind of issue. So have kind of a contingency plan, have like two or three solutions for, um, you know, for things that might come up. You're going to probably have an extra expense somewhere. Okay. Well, okay. So step one is going to be you know, can I rework the rest of my budget for the month? So this is like my process that I go through personally. I mean, everybody's different. The very first thing I start with is my monthly budget. Okay, can I maybe cut back a little bit on groceries? We're going to eat a little bit more out of the pantry. We're going to maybe go cheap on some of our other stuff. Maybe we won't spend as much on, you know, whatever fill in the blank item this month. And I'll redirect a little bit of money to the thing that came up that was not expected. Um, and then the second thing I like to do, because I really don't like to touch my emergency fund. The second thing I like to do is sell some stuff that we don't have a use for anymore. Um, I really love donating as much as I can, but if we have things in our house that we're not using anymore and we have a situation that comes up where we need a little bit of extra cash, I don't want to dip into the emergency fund. Sometimes I'll sell things that we're not using anymore. And I realize, you know, not everybody has the opportunity to do that. Or maybe when you're starting, you do all that to start with to kind of get your momentum. So I know that's, you know, that's not always an option for every single person. And, you know, we're kind of running low. I've sold a lot of stuff. We're giving it away that we have. Um, but this is kind of just like the flow chart that happens in my brain. Um, and then if it's like really a real emergency, then it's, it's time to use the emergency fund. But I really try to not do that. Can I wait? Can I patch? Can I, um, can I swap with somebody? Like if I need, I don't know, I, I, it's, is this something I can trade with somebody or borrow? you know, the lawnmower breaks or whatever, you know, can we, can we wait an extra month and then I can save a little bit to make sure that we can buy, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is. Um, but yes, and you have to be flexible and you have to be willing to give yourself grace in the process because it is, it, if you think about it like a road trip, oh, okay. Well, that extra expense came up and that really stunk, like acknowledge that it really stinks. Like you have to say like, this really stinks that this extra expense came up what am I going to do? Like the next question should be, what am I going to do? And not, 
you know, I guess I'm just a bad driver and I guess I'm just not meant to go on this trip. You're meant to go on the trip. You're meant to get there with your budget. You're meant to get there with your finances. You're meant to reach your financial goals. You're going to experience those things. So yes, yes, yes. Definitely be flexible for sure. And have a plan to address the things that are going to come up that are kind of these road bumps. Um, but also make sure that you're setting up a realistic budget because if you don't, you're going to be frustrated. And then that can really feed, um, you know, kind of wanting to throw in the towel. Don't, don't do it. I love that. I love this whole um, analogy that you came up with, with the road trip. Cause now that makes so much more sense. And like, and you're right. Like so many people make themselves feel so bad when they mess up their finances. Yeah. I know I'm one of them. When I mess up, I'm like, oh, and it's literally like, most of the time it's by five bucks. And I tell my husband, I'm like, I messed up by like $5 and I feel so bad. And he's like, it's only $5. Like, I'm like, it's not the point. It's just like, I had a plan. Okay. Yes. It's hard to deviate when you know what you yes. want to do. It's really, especially when you start to set goals and you get really goal focused to know like, oh, this is pulling me away from something that I really want. It's frustrating. It's really, it can be really frustrating. Yes. I'm so glad you understand, you know, you understand <laughs> me because he looks at me like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, we had a, I had a plan for us. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but anyway, you mentioned um, sinking funds. Now I know some people are probably not familiar with what they are. Um, can you talk to us about sinking funds? What, uh, what they are? and how we can get started with implementing it. Yes, okay. This is my favorite part of budgeting. I just wanna say that. This is my most favorite thing. This was the game changer for my finances, for my family, because this was like the missing mystery puzzle piece for me for a long time. Because going back to that whole, like here's your income and here's a list of your bills and what's going on, like what is happening. Um, the sinking funds kind of come to the rescue. So a sinking fund is, basically setting aside a certain amount of money for a future expense. That's it. It's, it sounds fancy. I know like I, I don't really like using a lot of the, the financial terms all the time other than people just need to know what they are because it seems intimidating and financy and it's really not. It's just setting aside a little bit of money for something that you know is coming up in the future. And it could be a set expense that you know when it's going to happen and you know how much it's going to be. Or it could be something that is probably going to happen. You just don't know when. Each of those things fall into the category of, I should probably have a sinking fund for that. I think right now I have 25, 26, 27. I'm very granular. <laughs> I'm very granular. And um, it's another question I get is, how many sinking funds should I have? And the answer is, it totally depends on your specific situation. You know, people, I have so many people say, is, is 10 too many? Is 10 not enough? Should I have 20? It, the, the number is irrelevant. So people should not think so much about the number, but think about, you know, where you're spending your money. So for example, one of mine is car insurance. We pay our car insurance every six months because we get a discount. But if you're not planning ahead for that, the six month mark comes up and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I have a, this is a lot of money that I need to pay. And the solution to that is a sinking fund. So you take the total amount that you know, you're going to be paying at the end of, you know, let's say six months from now, and you divide that number by six. And every month you set aside 
that amount of money. And so by month six, you have all the money sitting there. It's earmarked. It's in your account. So you can't, you know, you can't look at your, so many people budget by check, just looking at their checking account. Oh, this is how much money I have. But if you know that you're saving however much money every single month for that car insurance, when the six months hits, you know that you have the money set aside. So that's something that you know is coming up. An example of a sinking fund where you, you know you're going to spend it, but you don't know exactly how much and when would be like a car repair. So if you own a car, you're going to have a car. You're going to have a car repair. It's going to happen. And it's probably not going to be fun, but, um, but you should be prepared for it. And so that was when I started budgeting, I really, I knew, okay, I need to plan for car repairs, but I don't know how much to plan for. So I did a ton of research. I researched what mechanics said, and I looked at what car um, manufacturers said, and I kind of came up with this like... 75 to 150 dollars per car per month is like average of what most people pay toward maintenance. If you take the total cost of your car's maintenance and repairs and divide it out over your car ownership, that's usually about like what it is. And so of course the factors of that determine like whether you're on the low end or the high end are, you know, what kind of car do you have and how new or old is your car and how expensive are the parts for your car. I drive a Honda. So the low, yeah. <laughs> so it's a low cost of the lower cost of ownership that we save. And my husband is in an Acura. So on like a Honda, basically. So we set aside a hundred dollars per car every month and it feels like a lot and it feels like, Oh, but shouldn't I be putting that toward paying off a debt or shouldn't I be putting that toward savings or shouldn't I be putting, so, you know, the expense is going to come up. So if you put all that money towards something else, when the expense comes up, what do you do? you know, where does the money come from? You have to, this should be part of this is, and this all goes back to having an accurate budget. And so when you plan all of those sinking funds out, all those little things. So for example, I just thinking of mine off the top of my head, it's like Amazon clothing, um, my kids' birthday parties, you know, we don't do any super fancy parties, but it's still an expense. And then it comes up and you're like, oh, the party's coming up, you know, you have to, you know, get some of the, it doesn't have to be expensive, but you just want to account for it. Um, car repairs, travel, you know, travel is something that we, you know, we really love to do to see family. I, I don't know if you all know, we, we relocated from Chicago to Georgia um, years ago. And so it was a big priority for us to go see family as often as we could. And so we had to set up a travel sinking fund to pay for the, you know, pay for the gas and pay for the hotels and, and make sure that, um, make sure that we had money set aside for that when we wanted to do that, that was a priority to us. So when you take all of those expenses every month, those need to be a part of your monthly budget. And so sometimes you're going to know exactly how much you're going to spend. Sometimes you're not. Um, but when the brakes fail or when the air conditioner breaks or when you need new tires, which, you know, every couple of years, everybody needs new tires. I mean, the tires, you always need them. So when you have the money and it's the biggest frustration is just, I'm going to be without my car for a day or for a half a day it takes so much stress off as opposed to trying to figure out how am I going to pay for new tires? This is also the month we were supposed, you know, and, and it always happens. Doesn't it always happen when you're supposed to do something exciting and you have something fun planned or you, and then you can't do that thing or you're stressed out about it or you charge it, you know? So planning ahead really eases the burden later. It just eases the burden later. So that's the concept of sinking funds. The concept of sinking funds is making sure you're setting aside the right amount of money for expenses that are going to come up in the future that you, you might know about, you might not know about, but you're pretty sure they're going to happen.
That makes so much sense. Thank you. Yeah, I'm notorious for getting flat tires. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, man, I have to get a new tire. Oh, no. <laughs> always, always. And yes. now my husband has this huge truck. And so I just hope that he doesn't, you know, get a flat tire. Because Those are big tires. Huge tires. Oh, my God. But yeah, that makes so much sense. And I, a question did come up while you were talking. Some people might get confused between an emergency fund and a sinking fund because I've done this before. Where I've tried to have a sinking fund and then I think it was like my daughter's birthday came up or something happened where I was like, oh, I need extra money for this. And I was like, I'll just go into that Christmas sinking fund because I have tried this before a couple of years ago. And yeah. um, I took the money from the Christmas stuff and I was like, no. So how, when does the emergency fund come in? Like, and how do you not seep into that emergency fund? What's it for? It's <laughs> a, a great question. Um, I feel you have different answers from different finance people. And my I have set the boundary in our home that our sinking fund, I mean, our sinking fund, our emergency fund is for loss of income. Um, if we lose our income, if we don't get what we are expecting that month um, and being self-employed, it's happened before um, more than once where, oh, you know, this really big business expense came up. And, you know, when you're the business owner, you pay yourself last. And you make sure that things can go on. And so we know that going into it. And so we make sure that we have a slightly larger emergency fund than probably what people who aren't self-employed might have. But um, the first part, you know, is making sure that you have the right size emergency fund for your situation. And it's different for everybody. Um, usually between three and 12 months is what most people recommend. Um, so we really try to only use ours if we lose our income or if you know, thankfully, you knock on wood, we haven't had like a catastrophic experience. Um, I hope that we don't. But if we do, if there's, you know, a, an unexpected death or, um, you know, major medical event that happens, that would be another situation that we would um, that we would dip into to our emergency fund. Um, and so that's really for things that would almost never happen. And that if you didn't use it, you wouldn't be able to like get by. That's that's kind of that's kind of been our boundary that we've uh, that we've drawn because it is easy when you see it sitting there and you're like, oh, this money is here. Especially if you are really intense on paying off a debt or saving for something specific, you see it you see it there sitting there. It's like looking at you with eyeballs. You know, I'm right here and I'm tempting, <laughs> but. You just, you never know when something's going to happen. This past year is the perfect, perfect example. Perfect example. I, I had so many people at the, really at the end of, of 2019, I feel like this conversation came up a lot. I always find it interesting when I get waves of certain questions over and over. And at the end of 2019, I had a lot of people ask about, you know, should I, shouldn't I just put some of this money into my retirement or shouldn't I put some of this money? toward debt. I really want to pay off my credit card or I really want to pay off my whatever. And the emergency fund does its own job. It's not meant to be an investment. It's not meant to be debt payoff. It's supposed to be security so that if you don't get a paycheck, you don't have to worry about the roof over your head. And you don't have to worry about if you're going to be able to feed your family. And you don't have to worry about if you're going to be able to keep your car because maybe you have a car payment. And if you don't pay that car payment, the car is going to go away. So it really is about security. Um, and, and making sure that you kind of have that safety net. And so that's really always kind of kept me in check because I, I don't, 
it's scary to me, you know, especially as an Enneagram five, you know, we operate a little bit out of fear. I'm a little bit scared. You know, what, what happens if we can't do those things? And so I want to kind of hedge against that and make sure that we have something in place so that if something does happen, if we do lose income, if knock on wood, if we do have some kind of devastating emergency that I want the last thing to, to be worrying about, well, how am I going to pay my mortgage and how am I going to feed my kids? Like, I want that to be the very last thing. If there's an emergency that big, I don't want to worry about those things. And so that's the job of the emergency fund. The sinking fund is for all of the stuff you're already going to spend anyway. Mm. You're already going to spend it. You're already going to buy gifts for people. You're already going to buy clothes. You're already going to, um, you know, buy the school supply. You're already going to do all those things. It's not, you know, cr- like for Christmas, Christmas is not an emergency. It happens every year. And, and, I, and I mean that with compassion because I've been in the same exact spot specifically with Christmas or where we get to Christmas and we're like, oh, I didn't even you know, you had it saved and you pulled from, I, we didn't have it for years. We didn't even have anything saved for it. We just like, oh, how are we going to, okay. And then that was the same, you know, then January was always when our six month <laughs> car insurance premium was due. So it was always like, oh, okay, we'll charge, you know, pay. And I guess we'll pay it off in January or February or March. And then it pushes out and pushes out and pushes out and pushes out. So these are the sinking funds are all things that you're going to pay anyway. You're going to, you're going to do it anyway. So that's, that's, that's a great question. Um, to distinguish between those two. And that's, that's really the big difference. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And is there a, um, is there a cutoff with your, this might be a little too detailed of a question, but is there a cutoff for your emergency fund mm-hmm. where you're just like, okay, I'm going to stop right here. And then that way you can start paying into your savings or start paying your debt off. Or do you just continue to add to it like yes. your entire life? <laughs> see, as you can see, I that's need a great question. <laughs> yeah. Put it all there. <laughs> right. This is an, this is a great question. Um, we have set a month, like we need X amount of months worth of expenses saved. And so when we hit that, we stop contributing. And then when we need to draw from it, everything from that point on gets redirected to refilling it. So think of it like a tank, you know, when, when you're through the emergency, then the focus goes back into filling it back up. Um, we've had different amounts of months worth of savings over the years based on our situation. You know, are we dual income or single income? Are we um, self-employed or are we working for somebody else? What kind of job security do we have? How many kids do we have? Is it just us? Are we renting or are we, do we own our home? You know, all of those things play into how much should your emergency fund be? Because there really is, you know, it's kind of like the sinking fund question. There's no same answer that's going to work for everybody else. It's really, really, really personal. And I think that's part of the reason it's so confusing because there's a mystery around figuring it out. But those are really all the things that you should consider. You know, what is your personal situation like? And it's totally normal for that number to change over time. So, you know, ours is, you know, whatever, a certain amount of months worth of expenses. And then if we have to deplete it, we just fill it back up. Oh, I remembered something. Can I can we go back to sinking funds for okay I remember something that's really really important okay okay this is really really it's important it's important so if you're just starting try not to be overwhelmed with wanting needing feeling like you need to do every single sinking fund all at once because what's going to happen in probably a hundred percent of the cases is you're going to write everything down and you're going to be like I don't have enough money to do this and that's really frustrating. That's, that would make you want to like, I'm done with the road trip. We're not going <laughs> on the trip. So, so that's, so don't be frustrated. Start only with like the, the most necessary 
things. If you know a hundred percent for sure, this bill is coming up in six months. I have to pay my water bill every two months. That bill is coming up. If you know for sure the expense is going to hit, save for those things, save for the needs. You know, you can wait on, you know, there are, there are probably half of our sinking fund categories. If I decided tomorrow, like we are not going to fund those this month, that would be totally fine. You know, like we will be fine with the clothes we have, you know, like, and I, we don't spend money on kids clothes every month, but kids grow. And so it seems like all the same time, they all need coats and they all need shoes and they all need, you know, all these things. There are ways to be very creative with all of those expenses um, so that you can free up money. So if you're just starting, prioritize those sinking funds so that you're starting only with the ones that are like most important right now. And then as you progress, you can add more in. But I really wanted to say that because I always, I remember I have so I have so many people that like, get frustrated, including myself. I was the same way. Um, I listed everything out and I felt totally on top of it. And then I added everything up and I was like, we we do not have the money to do all of that. But then you, you kind of, re, maybe not everybody was like me. I don't know. That's how it was for, that's how it was for us. Slow but steady. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. I love how passionate you are about this topic. It's just, I wish you guys could see how passionate she is about this whole thing. I'm like, I'm taking so many notes. I'm like, okay, I gotta do this. I gotta do that. But like, I'm curious, yeah. um, like you seem to have a pretty good system down now. Like you've, you've kind of tried, it seems like you've tried different things to meet whatever your family needs, but I'm curious, have you tried, like, I know there are like, there's popular systems out there uh, for finances, like, but like, what have you tried different ones or like I just are you just picking and choosing from different systems like how kind of like I guess how did you come up with your own little system because I feel like I love everything that you're saying and it makes so much more sense for my planner girl brain because I've tried <laughs> I've tried and we know I know <laughs> listeners are gonna be like yes because there are so many different systems out there that say hey this is going to help you and then I get the thing and I'm like, wow, this is so confusing. What am I doing? I don't even have this category. Should I have this category? Like it's so, it can be super intimidating. So I'm just, I'm just curious, what have you tried and how did you come up with your own system? That's a great question. I much like regular planning. I love, there's nothing I love more than getting the full scope of everything that's out there and trying to really get in touch with my own needs and then putting things together that match what I need. That's like my favorite thing to do. I do it with planning. I do it with budget. Maybe it's because I'm the five. <laughs> I'm like a very, very strong <laughs> Enneagram five investigator. I just like to research everything sometimes a little too much and sometimes it freezes me and sometimes it keeps me from making the decisions as quickly as I probably should or that maybe other people would. But I I just find that I um I feel trapped by by a system that I didn't create. And that's why for every wild 30, for every um for the wild youth major that I taught I try really hard to teach people how to make your own, like how to make your own. These are all the things that should go into it. And this is how you figure out like what categories should you have? I, I don't have those answers. I don't know what categories anybody should have, but I know how to help you figure out how to find out which categories you should have. 
And so that was really the system that I, um, that I tried to make for myself, really being focused on the process um, and lining it up with my needs and figuring out how to do that. So I think a big part of this is getting in touch with, you know, what are your specific needs? And then looking at everything out there. And there's so many times that I'll see something and I'll think, oh my gosh, I really, okay, I need to, I need to keep track of that. That's a really important thing that I should be keeping track of. And so I pull that in, but maybe I don't need the rest of it. And I, oh, and like this thing is really cool and I wouldn't use it that way, but I could probably use it this way. And that would make a lot of sense for, for what I need. So I think, you know, again, starting with a, you know, building a strategy for yourself especially when it comes to finances, you're not going to know what you need unless you're really in touch with your own goals and your own values. And it's different for everybody, which is why it's so hard to, to, to pick one thing or to use one insert or one planner or one, you know, I mean, there are so many things out there. Um, I don't know. So yeah, I haven't, I, I've never really, even with a planner, I've always made bits and pieces of it my own because I don't know. I just, I love customizing things to make them work for me. And everybody's so different. Everybody's so different. Um, that's probably a bad answer. That's the answer. No, that's a great answer because, you know, everyone, it, they should feel okay with kind of doing that. And I think some people like to go by the book. And so they're like, wait, but I don't like all of this. And so it gives them a little bit more freedom. So that's a great answer. Um, and I do want to plug Wild University really quick because you do have a great course on there so if you guys want like a visible visible way of really getting into it then check that out um it's a great 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 program yeah. so i have a, a question that came up earlier i was thinking when you were talking about how you and your husband kind of sit down to do this together and you guys are both on the same page what about for people who don't have a partner that's very supportive or i know that's really hard to answer because it's like how do you just tell somebody like no like sit them down and now you know do it but how do they navigate that? Do you think if they're like, I want to get my partner on board, but I don't know how they're not into it, you know? Okay. Yes. <laughs> the, the embarrassing answer is that I was that partner. <laughs> I'm that, that partner. So that's why I'm like asking you, like, I'm that. <laughs> that was me. I was hard to get on board because, so I feel like I can give firsthand, firsthand experience. Um, I struggled a lot. My husband is extremely frugal and very conservative with money. He, he doesn't have many needs. He doesn't have many wants. He would be fine eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for every, I mean, he truly would. He does not, he doesn't care what he wears. He, he's like, he, not, not that I'm like super set on like any specific you know, I need this. It's not like that, but he, he just, he just wants very little and needs very little. And he's just like happy with life. So, um, he was the one trying to get me on board, not because things were like super out of control, but just because we didn't have, I realize now looking back, we didn't have a plan. We didn't have a plan. And so sometimes, at least for me, like if I can't see the big picture, I feel like I don't really want to put in a lot of the effort because why are we doing this and where are we going and what's the purpose? And it really, um, it really helped in my experience to kind of sit down and talk about like, okay, what do we want? Like, what do we want for our, for our long-term financial situation? What do we want to be able to do? 
Um, where do we want to be able to go? Uh, do we, you know, we knew at the time we wanted to have kids. Do we, you know, do we want to be able to save for their school if they choose to go to college? Um, do we, you know, how do we feel about investments and retirement? And do we want to retire early? Or do we not want to retire ever because we love work? You know, I don't know. All of those, all of those questions um, that you would think you would talk about, but sometimes people don't always. And then also like, what are the things that are really important to you? Or what do you really enjoy? Like, what do you really like doing? Do you have expensive hobbies? Do you have, you know, so, so much of this is, is really reflecting on values and figuring out a way to incorporate those values into your plan and then to have a plan and know where you're going. Um, so I think you know, sitting down with a spouse, it's very hard because I think you feel like a judgment is being made about the other person's values. Um, and this usually comes up in my experience working with other people, specifically with hobbies. Um, it just always, that's the thing that usually comes up. So one partner cares a lot about a particular hobby and the other one feels like, but we could use all that money for whatever, you know, fill in the blank. And so it's really a matter of, okay, but is this really important to you as a person? Do we need to work this in so that you still feel like you have a way to do that thing that's really important to you? Because I can guarantee that a lot of people don't understand the planner hobby. I know that a lot of people might not <laughs> understand. <laughs> I love planners. <laughs> you know, give me all the markers um, and the washi tape, you know, all, all of that. And so I totally get it. People sometimes don't understand why that is a hobby, but it is. And I don't need other people to understand, but I want, and, and my husband was always great. He was always great about it, but it was always, okay, but how does it fit into the plan? And so we, we kind of came to an agreement together about what things we wanted to do, um, how much we wanted to allocate to those things, what's important to us as a couple, what's important to us as a family, um, and then, and then kind of aligning our budget with those things, because now that we have a set plan for how we're going to spend our money, we don't argue about spending the money because we already talked about it and we already agreed on it. And so it's great because now we don't, we don't have that conflict of, you know, Oh, should we really go out to eat? Oh, I don't really, it's either a yes or no. Do we have the money or do we not? You know, oh, we have $30 in that sinking fund right now or in that monthly cash envelope or whatever way you're, you're setting aside money for that thing or for travel. Oh, I really want to take, you know, I think it's time that we take a vacation. Great. Okay. We have, you know, X amount of dollars saved in that fund. Like, what, what can we do with that instead of, well, I don't know, you know, this is going to be, you know, it's a really hard time of year. And what if we have this other expense? If you've already allocated that money and you've already planned out that's important to you. You don't have that conflict in the moment of when you want to do that thing. So again, you know, the, the thing, the, the expense, whether it's a hobby or travel or whatever, you know, whatever the expense is, if you're not in alignment about your values and getting a plan together that reflects those joint values and really be being non-judgmental of a partner, I think that's really important too. Like I try to give the same grace that I would want, um, you know, if he brings something up that's really important to him, even if I don't, it's not how I would spend my money, but it's really important to him. You know, like he's a grown up. He should be able to, to do those things that he really loves. We just need to make them fit like in our, in our big plan. So it's give and take and it's a little bit of compromise, but, but I really think that spending that time is a good investment. It's a good investment of time talking about your values and your goals together. Oh, that was so good. Thank you for sharing all that because sometimes, especially with partnerships, it could be hard. And especially if 
obviously you're married to that person yeah have to be on the same page it can't be like oh i spent x money on this and then the other person had a plan for that money that was in the bank and it's like that can create some chaos um but yeah i love i love everything that you said and it makes so much sense um now what are top 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 um budgeting tips you have or you could share with our listeners who are just getting started like what is the first thing like i don't know top three things let's say okay top three all right i would say for people just getting started the first the number one thing really truly has to be your mindset it has to be number one you have to have a a mindset of grace with yourself grace with whoever you are formulating this plan with, you know, it can't just be giving yourself all the grace and not giving them, you know, there's a lot of uh, blame that can happen when you start to get control and inevitably you look back, you know, certainly so many, you know, there are a lot of financial things that are not within our control that have happened that lead us to where we are, but there are a lot of things that are. And it's very, very easy to beat yourself up when you start this process because you look back and you have all those thoughts that pop up like, oh, I should have done this. And, oh, that was a really big mistake. And I wish I wouldn't have spent this much on that. And, ooh, we really overdid it here. Or you shouldn't have done that there. Or you always and I always. And there's, there's just, there can be so much blame and there can be so much shame that you have with, your, with yourself and your situation. So I think the very first thing is you, you have to, commit to forgiving yourself for things that you did in the past that you look back and and know maybe those weren't the best for your financial situation and give yourself grace um, going forward and having the mindset of like knowing that you're going to have to make a contingency plan. Things are going to go wrong. You're going to make a wrong turn. So the the mindset of of having grace with yourself and if you're budgeting with a partner um, with that person too, I think is really, really, really important. So that, that would be number one is getting your, your mindset in the right place. Um, number two, I would say is clarity, clarity. You really need, you really need to know where you are right now. Like you need to know all the information. What are all your balances? What are all your interest rates? What is your credit score? What are, what are all of those things? You need clarity on where you are right now you need clarity on what's coming in and what's going out and you really need clarity on where you're going. So figuring out, you know, okay, this is where I came from and this is where it has landed me today right now. Um, This is what I have coming up and, you know, coming in, going out the next month or three months or whatever. And then long-term, this is kind of the end game. This is what, this is what I want in the end. If you have that kind of clarity, that's really, really a great place to start if you have never done this before, really for anybody, especially if you're just starting. Um, and then I think the last thing would be um, balance. I think the last thing would be balance. I said, I said this in a, um, I think it was in a, a Wild You live, but I told everybody there, there are two people that you need to think about when it comes to your finances. Um, and the first one is you obviously. And the second is future you. So you, you really, you really need to think about today you and future you, and those two need to be in balance. And I see a lot in the finance community, the argument, the, the 
binary, like, oh, we'll live for today or, oh, you know, you need to save for the future. You know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. There has to be a balance. And it, it's not always going to be equal, you know, of course, because we're going to have seasons of our life where we just really have to focus on right now. And there are going to be other seasons of our life where we can really focus on the future. But the majority of the time, we should be making decisions with both of those people balanced. You know, is this good for today me? And is it good for future me? Because if you're making decisions that are good for today you at the expense of future you, future you is going to be like really mad at today you. <laughs> because today you might be really mad at past you. You know, like past you did some stuff. <laughs> You know, past you did some stuff that you might not be super excited about. So yes, yes. <laughs> you know, you have to you have to balance today you with future you. And it's not always gonna be a hundred percent, but always make decisions with those two people in mind. So I yeah, so I would say, okay, so for the top three, grace, you know, have a, have the right mindset, be, give yourself grace. Um, and if you're budgeting with a partner, give them grace too, because they're gonna make mistakes too. As long as you get back on the road, you know, just get back on the road and just keep going. Um, and then clarity, you know, know what's, you know, where you came from, where you are right now, where you're going. Um, and then balance, you know, balance today you with future you. Future you will be so glad that you did all those things. So those would be my top three. They're not very financy, but those are, my, those are like the things that are important. That was amazing. <laughs> Thank you. That was so good. Um, yeah, that especially future you and past you and all that, that, that makes so much sense. Cause I'm just like a, Hey, live for today. Like, what, are, what are we saving for? But then my husband's like, no, like we have to think about. And so I have to very much center myself in that mindset. So I will be one to admit, <laughs> admit <laughs> that. Um, it is hard. Yeah. It's a work in progress for sure. Um, but yeah, we're coming up at the end of the episode and everything that you've shared has been so invaluable. It's just, I mean, you're going to help so many people on a finance journey to just get on and hopefully, you know, change their future lives. <laughs> you yeah, know? I hope so. It's so much fun. I think it's so much fun. I know that not everybody else thinks that it's fun, but I just feel like there's so much freedom. You get so much freedom when you get your finances in order. I know that when you're approaching it, if you haven't done it before, it feels like deprivation. It can feel like you're putting constraints on yourself and it's not. You start doing it. And you are really just creating freedom for yourself. And it's, it's so amazing when it happens. And then you kind of realize that, okay, this is, you know, we've got a goal in mind and there's a reason that we're doing all of this. And then when that thing happens, because it's going to happen, when the thing comes up and you're able to handle it and not worry about it, you think past you. <laughs> you're grateful. You're grateful. Happy. That's what it's all about. It's amazing. So thank you for inviting me on. I love, I love talking about this stuff, obviously. Oh my gosh, you're so great at it. Do and you mentioned that you worked with people. And I'm just kind of curious, like, do you do you take on clients? Like can people reach out to you and pay <laughs> valuable information? I mean, I would imagine people would love to sit down with you and like work one-on-one. -on -one. If you're not doing it, <laughs> that you should consider. Thank you. You know, I, I have in the past, um, I have in the past on and off. Um, I've done it a lot with family and friends. Um, I don't, I've never charged. I don't charge people. Um, I don't, I just, I feel like, especially with family and friends, I know it's such a vulnerable, not that I, not that I don't think there's value in it. And I think it's really important for people to be paid for their work. That was my choice. And I feel like every 
person should make a choice for themselves if they feel like they're in a spot where they want to be paid for their work or not in that moment, in that situation. Um, in my experience, um, I just, you know, I've, I don't know. I, I love, I love sitting down and picking this stuff apart with people and seeing like hope come alive when you feel like you're just so frustrated and you don't know where to start and you don't know what's going on. Um, that is like the best payment, like of all, um, I've done it one-on-one through my church. I volunteered, um, in the past doing it one-on-one with, with, um, single moms um, through church. I love doing that. Um, and then I've led a lot of, um, I've led a lot of groups. I started doing, um, I did a few in, I have a budgeting Facebook group. I used to do like, a um, every couple of months I would do like a getting started session um, I stopped doing those after a while, um, and I started teaching the Wild Thirty. Um, those I did, I think five, maybe four or five of those. That was just the thirty days of, you know, like very very intense budgeting. And of course, you know, people paid for that. I think it was like twenty or twenty one or twenty two dollars um, for that. And then, of course, the Wild You um, course. I I think that I think it's really helpful doing it all of the different ways. I. Th- I have seen that it's been most helpful to people in a group setting because you get to kind of put your questions out because you're not the only one. You're not the only one that has struggled with, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is financially, you're not the only one. And it feels like you're the only one because there's so much shame around talking about money sometimes and it's taboo and people don't like doing it a lot that when you start hearing from other people like, oh, I struggled with that too, or oh, I had that same question, that's really, really valuable. so I would say to anybody that, that really wants to, um, to kind of get started, I would say, I think the one that's kind of living forever now is the Wild U course. Um, you don't have to sign up for the whole year. You can just do the month and you still get access to the entire, um, the entire budgeting major. Um, but there, I have a lot of downloadable worksheets there, but it really is, um, it really, I think is a great place to start if you're, if you're looking to, um, to kind of get your strategy together, figure out, you know, like we talked about goals and values, what's important to you. I have a whole worksheet with a little flow chart about like how to figure out how much your emergency fund should be like, you know, all of that stuff that like the little things that I tried to make it what I would have wanted when I started. Cause there was nothing when I started that I felt like gave me a clear, like, okay, you're ready. Okay. But this is how you do it. And I'm a very how person. How do I do it? Tell me how to do it. Um, and so that's what I tried to make. And so I'm working on a couple other projects now that might be helpful in the future hopefully soon (laughs) but yeah but that would be that would be where to go right now okay makes yeah total you guys head on over there and and get all of those all those goodies (laughs) so I have a quick question though because we are planner peeps here what planners are you using I am in rings I have a really inexpensive but I love binder from Amazon it's like ten (laughs) dollars I know everybody has like really fancy ones. I just, I didn't know what, if I would like it. So I'm in, um, but I love it. It, I'm in, it's like a seven eighths, I think, ring um, binder from Amazon. And then my inserts are almost all cloth and paper. Um, Oh my gosh. I got a gift from a friend with a couple other notes inserts. I can't remember what they are right now. I wish I could remember, but mostly cloth and paper. I mean, mostly cloth and paper. And then our other question, um, and you kind of answered it already in the beginning, but which one is your favorite blue pen? Because I know you mentioned the G2. Oh. But yes. Yep, Blue Pilot I, G207. But I've seen that you've used another one. 
I do use another one. I use the Sharpie S gel, but it has to be the 0.5. Um, I feel like, oh, is that what you have? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it really does glide. I mean, it is like really great. I do love it. I will say I, I really, I like a 0.7, but in this particular one, the 0.7 felt too bold to me. I don't know. I felt like I needed the 0.5. So this one I use, I'm so strange. I use my Pilot G2 in my planner. Like that is the only pen that goes in my planner. And then when I'm taking notes, I use this one in a notebook. I don't know. You all know, you get it. We're, we're, we're with our people. Yeah. So this is my notes pen. And then my planner pen is the the Pilot G2. I'm just curious because I saw you using the Gelocity one recently, right? Okay. Okay. The Gelocity is for project. Okay. So I have a, (laughs) so, you know, we have, we have the the planner and you have notes and then you have like projects. Like if I'm working on like project stuff, then it's, then it's big Gelocity because of all the colors. Um, they're so, they're like juicy and they're just, I really love a good roller gel. I can't, I like writing every once in a while with felt tip. I don't know there's something about the roller gel that is just like my most favorite just like sinks into the paper and it's just you know yes I love it um so yes yeah the big velocity those are for projects where I need the different colors the sharpie s gel is for notes especially quick notes um and then the pilot g2 is the only thing that's getting into my plan so <laughs> no that makes so much sense I have a note and I have I want to use all the pens but I have certain things that I use with certain yes <laughs> Exactly. So you understand. Yes. Um, and also you guys, her writing is amazing and she has her own font. So definitely mm-hmm. check that out. Like I'm sure if you know who she is, which I'm sure you do, you love her writing too. And I'm just like, yes, this is a great font. <laughs> That's so sweet. Thank um, you. Of course. So we just wanted to say thank you. This information was so great and um, we enjoyed having you and appreciate it. And yeah, you guys check her out for more um, on her Instagram or in Wild University. So thanks, Jen, for coming. (laughs) Thank you for having me.